The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Exodus chapter number 20. We continue today in our uh, series that we've been in as we've uh, been asking some, uh, some pertinent questions from the catechism and um, said, what is the law of God contained in the Ten Commandments? And so uh, a couple of weeks ago we began and, and working our way through the Ten Commandments to say, what is the law of God contained in this Sunday in the Fourth and the Fifth Commandment? And so you remember as I taught you, we maybe say the, the Fourth Commandment, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, right? And uh, the Fifth Commandment to, to honor your father and mother. And so we want to say today, uh, look at these verses. So read with me if you would silently as I read out loud for us. Exodus chapter number 20 Beginning in verse number 8 and going down to verse number 12, we'll look at these two commandments uh, just for a little bit this morning. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servants or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse number 12 then is the uh, fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives to you. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we look at these two commandments uh, today? Lord, we love You and thank You for Your kindness and grace and mercy. Thank You for um, this good Lord's Day, the opportunity to have come to a Sunday school class, to fellowship with each other, and uh, for our teachers, Lord, as they teach us the Word of God in depth. And um, Lord, we thank You for that time together. We thank You for corporate worship where we can uh, read Your Scripture, where we can pray and give and sing together and be exhorted from your Bible, how to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Pray for my brothers and sisters in here today, Lord, that we would have open hearts, open minds, that we would listen to these commandments, Lord, and apply them to our life. I pray now for your strength and grace, and Lord, please help us this day, for it is in the name of Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. These two commandments are interesting, and I, I think I just want to uh, talk about them today, and, and hopefully, hopefully, give us a little help in this uh, in this area. And so, the first commandment here that we look at is to uh, verse number eight: to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And you'll notice that that runs from verse number eight down through verse number eleven. And uh, not exactly sure the significance of this, but this is actually the longest commandment word-wise in the Ten Commandments or in the Decalogue, right? The Ten Commandments that are given. This is actually the, the longest one. And so we take those, uh, first, uh, those first commandments there that there is only one God and that we are not to make any idols and that we are not to misuse the name of the Lord. And then we look at this, this commandment here that we are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that transitions us into the latter six commandments which would begin with 
with honor your father and your mother. And so I think we want to discuss uh, verse 8 through 11. First of all, if you're keeping notes, let's talk about remembering the Sabbath, remembering the Sabbath. You know, uh, this is very difficult. In fact, I told Connie earlier this week, I said, this is, uh, this is one of those ones where as I'm preaching to the congregation, I have to say, woe is me. This, this hits me I, in my own soul. This is probably one of the commandments that, um, that I break most often in, in my life. And, uh, and sometimes I, I was reading where some people think that this is a commandment that doesn't belong to us anymore, that we are to do the nine commandments, but this is for the Jews this is for Israel, this is as some sort of Old Testament understanding here, and we are not to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, but brothers and sisters, I would say to you that just because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law, just because Jesus Christ is the greater and the truer rest of the Sabbath, does not mean that we get to skirt or marginalize the Word of the living God. In fact, furthermore, for believers, we ought to be celebrating and living in and walking in the obedience of keeping Sabbath rest more than anybody else because Christ truly has accomplished this in our own hearts and our own lives. So look back if with me, if you would, at verse number 8. Let me see if I can take verse 8 through 11 and uh, break it in these three parts for you. First of all, uh, we want to talk about uh, what to do. Uh, what to do. What does it mean? The, 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 what to do or what is the Sabbath? And then secondly, how do we keep the Sabbath holy? And then thirdly, from verse number 11, why would we keep the Sabbath? So from verse 8, uh, what is the Sabbath? Uh, verse 9 and 10, how do we keep the Sabbath, and then verse number 11, why would we do such a thing? So look back, if you would, at verse number 8, and he begins by saying this, what is it to do that we are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy before the Lord? Now, brothers and sisters, all throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, there is this idea and concept that we are supposed to remember what the Lord has done. And the word remember here has uh, two connotations that come with it. First of all, it is with our mind that we are to remember that God created the earth and in six days He worked and on the seventh He rested and therefore He created a template for the way that we should live our lives, that we should work for six days and cease from that work and worship Him uh, on that seventh day. And so we understand here that we are to remember that. And not only that, but the children of Israel, they had come out of Egypt and they had seen the hand of God and the redemption of God. And God says to them, I want you to remember. I want you to know that I created you and I have redeemed you, that I am the one that is in control of your life, that you are not the one that makes the whole world go around, but that I am the one in control. And so there is this connotation of a mental remembering. God wants His people to remember that He is in control. Amen? God wants us to do that. And brothers and sisters, when we do not remember the Sabbath, when we do not take time to cease from our work, and to stop and to worship and to rest and to live in the mercy of God, when we live our lives going full bore all the time, acting as if we are the one responsible for keeping the whole world going and our own life, we lose sight of the truth that God created us, that God redeems us, and that no matter the trials that are going through our life, God is the one who is in control. You were never meant to bear the burden of your life, nor furthermore the world. 
And the longer that you live trying to bear your own burdens, the more you will become crushed under the weight of it. God wants you to take space in your life to cease from our work and from our activities and to worship Him and to remember that no matter what is going on in our life, God is the one that created the world. God is the one who redeems mankind. And God is the one who sustains us in all of life's situations. There'd be far less ulcers and far less anxiety and far less frustration if God's people learned to cease from our own striving from time to time and believe and rest in the fact that God is in control. Not only does this carry a mental connotation, but brothers and sisters, I want you to understand today that when we, uh, what it means to remember the Sabbath is not just simply to give mental assent to, we need to remember this, but it's that we need to engage and we need to act upon Sabbath rest. You say, Steve, what does that look like? For instance, maybe you say, I remember my anniversary. What would it look like of this? I remember my anniversary. I know that it is on June 24th. June 24th rolls around and I do nothing. How well do you think I have remembered my anniversary? Far too many of us in here, we remember that uh, there's a day that belongs to the Lord. We remember uh, with our mental consent that that's God's and yes, He redeemed and yes, He created, but it never goes from our mind to our heart to our actions, to our engagement. I would say to you today that to remember the Sabbath means that somewhere along in your life you come to a conviction that, you know what? I'm going to have to take space in my life to stop earning, to stop doing, to stop creating my own and to rest in the fact that God is God and I am not. That He created the world, sustains the world, He redeems me and that He is my Lord and Savior. And that's got to go from your mind to your actions. But I want to say, look at the text. Not only what is the Sabbath, but how do we honor the Sabbath? Look what it says here. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then look at here at verse number 9 and 10. He begins with this. Maybe you say, how do, we, how do we honor the Sabbath? How do we celebrate? How do we, how do we remember the Sabbath day of the Lord? He begins by saying this in verse number 9. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. God is so good that when He gives it to us, He says, hey, listen, you want to remember the Sabbath? You want to honor me? You want to worship me? You want to remember that I'm the one in control? Start by this, giving an honest six days worth of work. Now look, the Bible doesn't say here that you've got to put in six 15-hour days. But what God is saying is, before I tell you how to worship me on the Sabbath day, remember this, I have been gracious enough to give you six 24-hour periods the rest of the week to do your work, to do your activities, to do all of the, the normal things of life that take place, and I'm only requiring one day of you and I want to say, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here on some of you, but maybe some of you this might hit between the eyes. And I, I just want you to know, I, I'm tired of people picking on that younger millennial generation too. I, I know a lot of people that are in Generation X and a whole bunch of generations that are lazy as a dog. And it's not just the millennials. Now, I just want to say to you today, if you're a lazy person in here today, you got six days to work. Get her done. 
Work. Work is not a result of the fall. We'll do a little more teaching today than preaching, but work is not a result of the fall. Adam and Eve didn't sin against God and all of a sudden God said, you're going to have to work. No, work is a good and a wholesome and a right God-given idea. It is after the fall that work becomes difficult and strenuous and hard and, and, and it's, it's hard to even get, but it's, it's a creation order. God said, I want you to work and till the garden and I want you to live this life. And so God gives us, hey, can I say something to you? It's a gracious thing. God gives you six days out of the week. Get your work done. Do family activities do hobbies, all of those kind of things. You want to remember the Sabbath, then remember this. God's given you six days to work hard and to get a ton of stuff done. Look back down at the text. Not only does God start by giving you those six days, but then look what He says here. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You are your sons. And he goes on and basically says, everybody in your house, everything, you cease. Basically, the, the word Sabbath, some people say it's Sabbath rest, and it does have the connotation of rest. But ultimately, Sabbath means to cease from work. And God says, I've given you six days out of the week that you get your work done, get your hobbies done, get your family life done, but I'm requiring one day where I want you to cease from all of those activities. And what does it say? I want you to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, set apart. You see, in Scripture, when we set apart something, we set it apart for holiness and for worship. And so when we, and we'll talk in a few minutes about uh, the Sabbath day or Sunday and all of that kind of thing. But basically, I want you to get across here. The Apostle Paul said, don't, don't fight about the Sabbath day. Just remember this. God wants you to have a certain day of the week in which you worship Him and you cease from your work, and you show mercy and grace. One day. I want to ask you, what's that look like in your life? Do you have one day in the week where you go and you gather with people and you worship and sing and praise Him and pray and give and be exhorted from the Word? Does that extend into the other parts of your day where you read the Bible on that day where you maybe back off of the television just a little bit more and you spend time in prayer, spend time in devotion with your family, spend time in the Word of God, spend time singing along with Him, staying with Him? Do you have a day in your life where you would say, at least the vast majority of the hours that I'm awake, I'm with God? Or does your one day a week look like, I do that because I've always done it. I do that because I feel guilty if I don't do it. I do that because that's what I grew up doing. I do that just to get it out of the way so I can go do what it is that I really want to do. What does your day of worship look like? What does your Sabbath day look like? Bill Gates said... Um, he said, part of the reason why I would never even consider the Christian religion is because uh, they mismanage their time allegations. That I can think of many other things that I could be doing on uh, a Sunday. I could be working. I could be uh, doing all kinds of inventions. He says, so, so the Christian faith is completely out because they mismanage time. They want an entire day set aside. 
I would say to you that I believe that it's fair and right of God to give all of us in His grace six days to work, to play, to do hobbies, to do all kinds of things and only ask of you one day where the predominant amount of that time is spent worshiping Him, loving Him, learning from Him, and growing in Him. Now, I just, I just as your friend, want to put that out there to you. What does your Sabbath day look like? I, I take it for me, and we'll get to it in a minute. I take it probably for the most of you believers here. You, Sunday is what you would say, maybe your Sabbath day or a day of rest or day of worship, right? And so if, if Sunday for you is that day where you say, I go to church on that day, do you really? Now, I'm kind of preaching to the choir today, right? Because you're here, right? But on a whole, do you, do you know that I was reading an article not too long ago and they said that if somebody goes to church, I think once or twice in a month, they consider that to be regular attendance. If this is your day of rest and, and Sabbath worship, do you faithfully give time to God in corporate worship? Let me ask you this. Those of you that are involved in a Sunday school class, we spend oodles of doodles of dollars buying you quarterlies. You like oodles of doodles? That's in the Greek. How many of you, don't answer this out loud, please, you give me a heart attack. I wonder how many Sunday school members look at your Sunday school quarterly Sunday morning before you come or Saturday night. I don't spend time uh, any other part of the week reading and studying, praying. I, I bet that there's probably some in here and you don't even look at them at all. What do you do? What do you do? I'm, look, I'm talking, we're all together. We're just family, right? A little bit different sermon today. I know it's kind of hard, but we need it, all right? What do you do when you leave here? How do you spend the rest of today? Let me ask you this. After lunch and when you get home, are you going to spend the rest of the day thinking about work tomorrow and what you need to do and what needs to be done around the house and jobs and people and all these kind of things? Or will you take some an intentional time this afternoon to read back through your lesson that your good teacher taught you today? Did you read the Bible? Will you spend any time this afternoon or this evening just maybe 15 or 20 minutes by yourself and just pray over today and say, Lord, what I learned in Sunday school and what happened in church today and the songs that we sang, will you commune with God today outside of this room? I wonder if we were to challenge ourselves if we would say, actually the majority of us don't have a Sabbath day we barely have a Sabbath three hours. I want to encourage you. Part of how we keep the Sabbath holy is that we worship the Lord throughout the day, that we rest. I want to say to you, it's good to take an afternoon nap if you can. Can I get a hearty amen there? Y'all might, might hate me on the rest of this sermon, but at least I got a few amens there. I want to say to you, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Go ahead and rest. Take that nap. You need that. 
And give this day to the Lord. Find a day somewhere. Give the, give the day to the Lord. Worship. Rest. Mercy. You see what it says? Not just you, but those who work for you and your whole household. Are, are you requiring of everybody else to work for you? Or are you allowing those people to have space to rest and worship God as well too? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. What's the reason why? Look at verse number 11. You see, whenever you see the word for in your English translation, it generally gives you a reason. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So Steve... Why in the world should I honor and celebrate and keep the Sabbath holy? Why should I have a day of rest and worship of the Lord? Because God created that rhythm of life for you at the beginning and He blessed it. See, when God created the world, He set a pattern for your life. He worked for six days and He rested. And God says to all of us here, why don't you work for six days, do your activities for six days, do your hobbies for six days, do your games, everything that you need to do in six days. And then why on that seventh day, why don't you find rest in me? Because that's the way that I established it at the beginning and I blessed that model. Not only that, but you would find in the passage that Brother Bill read for us out of Deuteronomy today that he says this, when he gives the same commandment in Deuteronomy, he says, I want you to keep the Sabbath holy. Why? Because I redeemed you out of slavery when you were in Egypt. The two main reasons of why we must celebrate and honor and keep the Sabbath is because it reminds us of creation and it reminds us of redemption. And if you don't live your life in this sort of rhythm, you will soon forget that you were created by Him out of His sovereign control and power and that you were redeemed out of sin by His mercy and His grace. And if you don't learn to live in that kind of rhythm, what you'll find is that life will cave over top of you. And you'll have anxieties and worries and fears and stress that you can't possibly control. But if you'll live the kind of life where you work hard and you do all these things, but you establish a day of rest before the Lord, where you reset and you center and you allow your mind and heart to say, you know what, I am a believer that you are the true God, that you saved me, and I'm living my life from this day, not into this day. You see, most of the people in this room, you, you think the first day of the week is tomorrow, don't you? You hardly ever think about the fact that today is the first day of the week. Um, Y'all give me just a couple minutes. I'll share this with you just so you know. When we think about the Old Testament, the Sabbath is actually on Saturday. So you say, well, why do we worship the Lord on Sunday? So look, I'm not going to make a big thing out of this. I just want you to understand this, that in the Old Testament with, the, with Israel, right, as the nation of Israel, they were seeing that God had created and they worshiped the Lord on the seventh day of the week, remembering everything that He had done. When Jesus Christ came into the world, He brings the new creation with Him. And the Bible says that He is our new Sabbath. He is the new creation. 
And so rather than worshiping on Saturday, it was just natural for early believers in the early church when they realized that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Sabbath, that Jesus is the new creation, that there was the old creation and we fail, fell and we sinned and we've come short. And at the end of each week, we remember that God's good, but now we turn the calendar into a new day and Christ is the new creation. And so when Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, on the morning of Sunday morning, new believers say, this is the new creation. No longer do we wait to the end of the week, but we live out of the first day of the week what Christ has given us in our hearts. The old heart has been taken out and the new heart has been put inside of us and we live out of this day the rest of the week what God has done for us in Jesus. I want to challenge you today to find rest, to honor, and to keep Sabbath rest before the Lord. I would encourage you on Sundays to make this the day that you rearrange the rest of your life schedule around. So you understand that? Most of us in this room, we schedule church and the Lord's Day around everything else in our life and we hope that it fits in. You know, when I, was, when I was growing up, some of y'all are like this, but ain't nobody going to admit it but me. You know, like when you went to church, sometimes you went to church when you were growing up, like, man, it's so boring. Why are we here? We sing the same songs or reading. This makes no sense. This is boring. Why are these people hugging me and giving me kisses on the cheek? Right? I know some of you like that. Until the day that God saved your soul. Isn't that right? And gave you a new heart. And all of a sudden, you wanted to come and be with His people. You wanted to read the Word. You didn't know how to pray, but you wanted to talk to Him. You wanted to be at every function you could possibly be at. You wanted your life to revolve around Him and His day. And some of us in our life, we have let life so creep in on us that we've now grown upside down and we want to live the rest of our life. And if there's nothing going on, then we'll remember the Lord's Day. Hear me today. This is not just telling you come to church more. I'm saying this whole day, find ways in your schedule to have that day, maybe this day, where you worship God corporately, where you get in the Scriptures and you read, and maybe you read with your friends or your spouse or your children. Maybe you create some things going on at your, at your own house so that this day becomes the day of worship and you live the rest of life out from this day. I'll tell you this and I'll move to the next commandment. Now, <laughs> one of the reasons why you should remember the Sabbath and worship the Lord like I'm talking about and cease from your work is because ceasing from your work, taking a Sabbath rest, ceasing from your work is the lowest common denominator of faith. See, when you stop working, stop planning, stop doing, what you say is, I'm going to trust you that you'll provide today. But when you don't stop working and thinking and planning and doing, 
running underground in your life is, I've got to do it. I've got to provide. If I don't do it, nobody will. I've got to make this work. I've got to handle these problems. And if you live a life like that, you'll live subpar Christianity. But if you'll learn to take a day in your life and say, I stop from everything and I give Him all of myself, you'll find that over time, your faith in Him will grow and grow and grow and grow. The lowest common denominator is also found in sleep as well. Did you know that? Part of the reason why God created a cycle for you to fall asleep at night and wake up with the rising of the sun is that when you go to bed at night, what you're basically saying is, I now trust that while I'm asleep, the sustainer of the entire universe will keep the world turning. And when you rise in the morning, what you're saying is, I'm not getting on to something that's just getting started. I'm getting on to a train that has been moving for a long time. God has been in control while I have been sleeping. Hey, somebody tell me what Jesus was doing when the storms came and the boat was there. You'll think about that tomorrow. Let me give you the second commandment. We'll get out of here today. Look down at verse number 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord God given you. Let me give you uh, just a couple little thoughts here. We'll finish today. You see the word there, honor, honor your father and mother. So I'm going to back my way into this because I know that some of my adults in here just checked out. You're like, hey, that's a kid's commandment. So the children have to do it. I don't have to do it. So let me back my way into this and tell you this. The word honor there is also used throughout Scripture in the Old Testament that has to do with monetary value. And here's what's going on with the nation of Israel. God is saying in this passage, in context, what He's saying is, I want you to honor your father and mother. And here's what He means. I want you to take care of them when they're all too old to take care of themselves. Did you hear me, church? That's what that command means. The Apostle Paul picks that up in the book of Ephesians and he does say, I want children to obey their, their parents in the Lord. But in the context of this verse, he is saying, when your parents are too old to take care of themselves, when they cannot provide, when they grow sick, I want you to honor them by taking care of them. Now, there's a thousand things that come up. What if I don't have the money? And what if this? And what about siblings? And how do we do that? And God gives you the wisdom to work all of that out. But the basic command is, we are to take care of the people who cannot take care of themselves. Amen? I was uh, early on. We're getting ready to have our second here in a few weeks. Um, did I tell you all the story? We were, at a, we were at a birthday class and some guy beside me, I, 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 he, said, uh, he said to me, he's like, oh, I, I, think we're, I think we're pretty set. We have cats, so we should be able to get, do this pretty good. <laughs> I said, well, let's talk again in a few months, brother. Man, I'm telling you, y'all know what I'm talking about. Those, those, those first few months, man, you're about to pull your eyes out, man. It's tough. I remember one time changing a diaper. And I looked down at James and I thought, oh, no wonder you're supposed to take care of me when I'm old. You, I'm going to remind you all these days. Hey, I just want to say to us, maybe in a lighthearted way, but I, I want all of us to take this seriously today. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. 
Take care of them when they cannot take care of themselves. Work it out with your brothers and sisters. Work it out with your siblings. I know sometimes there's monetary situations. You say, I can't afford to have them in the house. And God knows that. God is not a legalistic God. He wants you. Sometimes uh, there are places that can help our parents better than we can help them. But the spirit of the command is give everything that you have to honor them by taking care of them when they cannot take care of themselves again because they did that for you. Yeah. Here's a second form. The word honor also is the word kavod, and it is the word for glory in the Old Testament that we speak of being heavy. The glory of God. Have you ever heard that term before? The glory of God? This word is the same word, and he's basically saying, honor your father and your mother, and though this feels weird, I like honor better. Glorify your father and mother. Basically what he's saying here is, in the same way that you give me glory and honor and praise, if you really want to glorify God, take care of your parents. Yeah, but you don't know, you don't know my dad, you don't know my mom, you don't know what's been there, and you've got to work through all of that, and you've got to be gracious. And the Bible does say to be now wise as serpents and harmless as does. And I'm not asking you to put yourself in harm's way. I'm not asking you to walk back into something or to be a doormat. But what I am saying is, as you live in wisdom, do what you can to honor your parents. That's right. And now, since I, hit, since I hit everybody else in here, let me talk to everybody too under here. If you're still under your parents' roof, you should obey what they say. You don't have the right to talk back to them. You don't have the right to treat them uh, that like they're not your parents. You don't have the right to correct them. You have the responsibility to obey them in the Lord. That's right and good. Not really an amen message today, but it's right whether you want it or not, I'm telling you. Let me hit this last point because people ask me, honor your father and mother for you should have prolonged days in the land that the Lord has given you. And somebody has said to me one time, well, I've known children, I've known people who have obeyed their father and mother and they died early. Is that saying that the command isn't right? No, it's not exactly what's going on there. What he's saying here is this is a covenant command to the, to the nation of Israel passed down to the church as well too. And it's a general command. So he's saying like this, for the nation of Israel and all these families, insomuch that you are the kind of family that takes care of your elderly family members and provides for them, and insomuch that you in general are the kind of families where children are obeying and listening to your parents, that is the kind of family unit. Taking care of the elderly on one end, respecting the parents in the middle, and taking care of children at the other end, those kind of families live long and prosperous in the land of the Lord. In general. Are there things that happen in a fallen world where people get hurt or die and this sort of thing? Of course. But God is saying, listen, here's the command. Take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Obey those who have the rule over you and God will bless you richly. And that command also extends not only in our homes, but that extends to, and here, and um, y'all are really going to have that extends as well to your bosses. That extends to your church leadership. Insofar as those people are leading well and right and doing right, you don't have the right to treat them like trash. In fact, you have the right to listen and obey what they say. 
And if you're working for a, a boss, you have the responsibility to give a full day's work for them and to do it right. I really wish today, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm getting across today, but I really wish these two commandments, maybe on your own time, would you read and think about this a little farther? Would you find a day somewhere where the majority of that day, at least begin there, the majority of the day, you're worshiping, you're praying, you're studying, you're growing, you're even in conversation about what God is doing, where the world waits for a minute, your job waits for a minute, and God becomes the center. I promise you, and I'll write something this week for you, but if you'll learn to live out of that, you'll find help. And isn't it interesting? Remember the Sabbath, right? Worship God first. And what's the very next command? Honor your father and mother. Why? Because God knows the closest image to Himself that He has on earth is your parents. So honor them. I know the questions that come up. Some of you are thinking, well, what about, well, what about you? You will work on Sunday. That's right. So, well, as a staff, we've got to think about other ways and th- ways during the week now where we can have Sabbath rest and we can worship the Lord. What about people that are in, say, the military or in the police or a fireman or all, all these kinds of folks? Of course, don't be legalistic about it. People ask me all the time, well, does that mean that I can't go out to eat a, a, on Sunday? No, that doesn't mean that, right? Christ is the fulfillment of the law. All of the civil law is gone. The moral law is upon us and so God wants you to live in wisdom all right but what it does mean is that we find somewhere in our life where for a space for some hours for a day God becomes the center point and if you don't enjoy being around God more than you enjoy being around whatever it is fill in the blank then you need this more than anybody Because God ought to be the most enjoyable, satisfying, most wonderful person you've ever come into contact with. Dallas Willard used to say, God's not boring. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a minute? Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.